Thanks for tuning in to Men for the Win, a podcast hosted by David Kufis and Dan Thompson, two avid fans who appreciate well-played baseball, especially when it's done by the Twins. Men for the Win is sponsored by The Grand Group with Edina Realty. Are you looking to purchase a new home in the Twin Cities area? Or perhaps you're trying to sell your current home. Whether you're upsizing or downsizing, The Grand Group with Edina Realty will meet all of your housing needs. Contact The Grand Group by emailing thegrandgrandgroup at edinarealty.com or call them by phone at 612-817-8751. The Grand Group with Edina Realty, three-time Minneapolis St. Paul Magazine Super Agent Award winners. In this episode, David and Dan recap the Twins' three-game series against the Tampa Bay Rays. Thanks for listening. Enjoy. Thanks for tuning in to Men for the Win. My name is David Kufis. With me, as always, is Dan Thompson. The Twins finish a nine-game gauntlet against the Blue Jays, Yankees, and Rays. Coming away, going five for four, finishing it off, taking two of three from the Rays. We had a lot of discussion prior to this gauntlet run that the Twins just completed, and we were thinking 500, even one game under 500 for these next nine games would be acceptable. What do you know, Dan? Five and four. First of all, you can't be 500 in a nine-game stretch. David, There's the math doesn't work unless you win four and Close a half Close to games. 500. Dan, you're an okay. English teacher. Stop correcting my I'm math. I'm just saying. Just anyways, continue just, with your was, thoughts. All right, fine. A couple things. First of all, very impressive to win this series. A little bit of bummer how they played game three. But yes, I feel really pretty good about this team without Sonny Gray or Joe Ryan making a start. Yeah, and with Rocco just giving up on a few games that they still managed to win, Dan Thompson. Isn't that funny? He really does play to win the next game. It's It was fantastic. I think as long as they win one of every two games... He's pretty happy. Like 500 is what Rocco's aiming for. Seems like a good a good goal uh, for this current <laughs> Twins lineup. But the Twins are currently leading the AL Central by three games over the Cleveland Guardians. White Sox are sitting five and a half back. But the Twins still seem to be somewhat in control. And now they head into a little bit easier portion of the schedule. Yeah, coming up, they got Mariners, Diamondbacks, Guardians, Rockies, Guardians. So... Those are going to be pretty big series against the Guardians when those come up here. Looking at the AL Central standings right now, it's vastly different than what everybody had projected at the beginning of the season. I think that at this point last year, the Twins were so far back. You know, and we, and we, had we lost hope? Like at that point? Probably. I, it was pretty early, Dan, that these these podcast episodes got pretty dreary. <laughs> because because I do think two months into the season, you do have a pretty good picture of, of which teams are the better teams in the division. And the fact that the Twins have been doing this, missing so many guys, I do think that they are going to be a team that is going to win 90 games probably this year. If not 90, then dang close to it. And I we haven't seen enough of the Guardians yet, I feel like, to really have a read. Yeah, well, and, and if they were in any other division, Dan, not a chance they win 90 games this season. Probably not. But again, with the with the balanced schedule coming next season, I think it's going to matter less and less. I think I think those records are going to matter a lot more or going to be more telling, I think, in the years coming up. Yeah, I think that's a fair point. So one, one note before we jump into the series recap. So we don't normally talk about download numbers or, or we try not to push. You know, each episode we do our sort of generic, hey, like and subscribe. But folks, let me tell you, if there's one thing that we can count on always is that a Yankees series that the Twins lose, which is virtually all of them, will definitely be the lowest downloaded episode of Men for the Win. And that stands true after the last Yankees series, Dan. Yeah, nobody wants to listen to us talk about the Yankees. Um, well, hey, let's run in here to this, uh, to this series recap. Series recap. First game, Dan, and the Twins come out with a bang. Nine to four, they come away with a victory. Now, it did take me some time, Dan. Took me a little bit of time to figure out how to watch this baseball game. <laughs> Quite obnoxious. Apple TV, the announcers have no idea who the Twins are. I just, it drives me nuts, Dan. Major League Baseball is so obnoxious. 
one place, just one place to watch the games, Dan. The funny part to me, David, is how they try to sound like they know the team a lot, though. Like, you know, it's clear that they're they're grasping at stats and they're grasping at, you know, highlights that they watch from previous games. It's pretty funny to, to watch them attempt to it. But the Twins looked really good. If they're going to if they're going to play on Apple TV, I want them to play as well as they played here in this game. Buxton, two for five. Correa, three for five. Arise, two for five. The, the stars showed up. Yes. And Smeltzer did enough, Dan. Six innings pitched. Three earned runs, three walks, three strikeouts, but three home runs given up. But again, he did enough against a very, very good Rays lineup. Well, and two of those home runs were late. It was in, they were in the seventh inning when he was trying to stretch. One of them an inside the park home run, I believe, by a Rosarena. Obviously, he he takes credit for those. It would have been nice to see him finish seven. But then Griffin Jacks comes in. Joe Smith gives up a run. But Pagan closed it down, which I thought was really important. Well, and we do need to talk about this inside the park home run. A Rosarena hits one deep to center, center right. Gordon's over there. First of all, Buxton makes the play. Almost totally, no question. Like totally. Sometimes I say that and it's like, okay, that's even a stretch for Buxton, right? Like maybe he might not have made the play. But in this instance, certainly Buxton would have had a read on it and he definitely would have been there. But the big thing is there is no way, there is no way that this ball should have led to an inside the park home run. Number one, if you watch this replay, it is ridiculous. Gordon literally just stands there. He he watches it bounce off the wall, and then he just sits there. He has his feet planted. He's not making any movement towards the ball. Granted, Kepler probably should have been there to back him up, so Kepler is definitely at fault here as well. But literally, Gordon is just standing there. It's like, what are you doing? I know the guy's fast, but you're telling me that you wouldn't even have a shot to get him if you tried to move your feet? Driving me nuts, Dan. I don't love that. It's kind of akin to when outfielders kind of give the cursory jog for a home run that's way over their head. Or who yeah. was it? Somebody just stood still once very famously in left field and didn't even try it did feel a little bit like that luckily it doesn't come back to burn the twins because they really get some of those insurance runs yeah so dan you can go ahead and share your stat i'm glad you asked david byron buxton i didn't hit. ask i didn't <laughs> ask i told you that you could have this opportunity right, dan. so byron buxton became the fourth twins player to hit multiple home runs in back-to-back games he joined the great don mincher kirby puckett and the great eddie rosario as the four twins to do that now congratulations byron buxton my goodness. I mean, say what you will about Eddie Rosario, but I mean, I when you literally swing every swing for a home run, you were bound to have a couple of games in a row that you that you connected. Are you ready to go to game two? I'm pretty sure I got more Eddie Rosario somewhere here in this episode. <laughs> always, always. Folks, you don't know how many times I have to go through the spreadsheet prior to the episode and delete Eddie's name from all the different cells that Dan's put him in. All right, game two. The Twins win this game too. Um, as we put in here, it's always good to win a game you weren't actually trying to win. <laughs> No Buxton, no Correa, but the Twins find a way to win this one. It's it's pretty impressive. Twins win this one six to five. It got it got close because it wasn't like, oh, Twins got up early. It's like, oh my, what are we going to do? Took until the third inning. The Twins come back after they'd given up three runs in the first. Again, the Twins pitching lines here, Gonzalez, McGill, Fielbar, Cotton, Duran, Pagan, which what I love about this, Dan, is it goes like, you can see it if you could chart out like how good the pitcher is and like where they are in the game as far as the score is concerned. <laughs> It's like, it's like, it starts as low as possible with Gonzalez. Then you go McGill and then it's like, wait, wait, okay, we better put in Thielbar <laughs> than cut. Like it gets, it gets exponentially better as the Twins winning chances go up. Yeah, this one, a great baseball game. Obviously the Rays score the first three, but then the Twins get five in the third, including, uh, of course, what everybody predicted, a Luis Arise Grand Slam. And then, and then the, it really turned into a very good baseball game after that within a run, almost the entirety of the rest of the game. The Arise Grand Slam, <laughs> He's, he's bound to get tested for steroid use here. You hit one off Cole, and then you hit a grand slam. Eh, I don't 
know. Some people are going to start asking questions, Dan. He might have actually been swinging for a home run on that one. That's what it looked like to me. Like, he really turned on that inside pitch. Also, McGill gets the win because obviously he was the most important pitcher in this game after Chi-Chi couldn't quite go five. I don't know. I don't know. So Hoag's texted us and he's like, okay, so who gets the win in this particular game according to your system? And I said nobody. I don't think anybody deserves the win in this particular outing because it was sort of a group effort and nobody was necessarily more valuable than anybody else. So I would say it's a it's a group win, but nobody gets a, a win in the men for the win pitching system. Sure. Well, I, I, would, I would say this. I think it's time to change the five inning requirement to four. To me, the four inning start is now what the five inning start used to be because teams are so careful about arms unless maybe we're just living in this fantasy land where Rocco Baldelli doesn't believe in, in letting pitchers go really much past a minimum pitch count I don't I don't know isn't that reasonable he did pitch the most innings of any twins pitcher yes that's true but here's the issue if you're gonna change the way that wins are calculated with just an inning switch it really makes things interesting for the record books and like baseball's a stat driven sport right like everybody likes to look at the stats so if you make a change like that that's that's pretty considerable and like what I'm talking about is as opposed to like the wins and losses we call it like the actual wins and losses you know that's what our stat <laughs> the a w and l is that what that would be the a wall basically the a wall stat sponsored by men for the win thank you <laughs> Um, I don't know. Maybe that's a future discussion. Oh, we should also talk about the weird ground rule Miranda play um, where the ball got caught on a ledge that I have I have never seen a ball get stuck there before. No, I've seen a ball hit off of that wall and off that fencing material, but I've never seen it like literally sit there. Like a guy could sit there. That's like a dude perfect trick shot. Right? Like, they're like, <laughs> okay, we're going to try and hit a wall. We're going to try and hit a ball and it's going to land on the shelf in left center field in front of the bullpen. <laughs> it's about five inches deep. Like what are the odds? that that happens and it's just funny how long they had to consult about the ground rules what this means because the ball is accessible it's not like stuck between the fence and them and the mat it's just like on a shelf <laughs> It was a really weird thing. It reminded me just of that oddity of a play where I think it was down the left field line. I think it was an Eddie Rosario play uh, where the ball bounced and then bounced off the limestone. The limestone, that's actually yeah. in foul ground. And actually, it was Eddie playing left field and he just kind of like let it go because he thought that, yeah. that was that was foul at that point or a ground to a double. And it turns out it wasn't. So it's one of those cool quirks, the quirks of baseball stadiums. I thought you were going to bring up that inside the park home run that Buxton had that got called back because the was it Luis Robert in left field for the Chicago White Sox were like, you could see the ball, and he's just like, oh, I don't know, man. Yeah. I don't know how to get it. It's on the ground. Pick it up. What are you doing? Um, the other thing that struck me about this game is the Twins actually threw out some base stealers or, or would be base stealers at second and at third base. I don't, I know the stat can be looked up, but it feels like the Twins are getting run on like crazy by other teams. Well, how much of that, though, can be chalked up to having inexperienced arms on the mound who don't understand how to look runners back and who don't understand how important it is to be quick to home plate? I think, and I'm going to talk about this a little bit later, too, but I think there's a combination. I think it's I think it's players and also coaching in some sense, and I think teams like the Rays come to town and, they, we, and we notice it. All right, well, should we keep going here, Dan? Game three. It, it feels like not much <laughs> happened in game three. We're talking about the Rays just win this one six to nothing. Felt like the Twins, yeah, they put a lineup out there that was trying to win, but then they were down five nothing after five innings and at that point david i think i would have turned it off 
you can't do that, Dan. People are going to yell at you. I get yelled at all the time now because I make one comment one time, Dan Thompson. Well, this this again was one of those candidates. The Twins just really never mustered anything. They only had runners in scoring position four times. They did leave eight guys on base, but this felt like like a balancing game. You know, like this felt like, all right, the Rays were actually going to try to maybe win one of these games. Yeah, and I do think Cole Sands, I think he's done once this lineup comes back healthy for the rotation. I think that not done in the sense that he's not going to make it back to the majors, but he clearly needs some more time at AAA to get himself sorted out. Well, and looking at Tampa's pitchers, you know, we we talked about Rocco's line last episode where, you know, you don't want to burn your good arms when you're behind. Well, clearly the Rays had saved their best arms for this game. Look (laughs) at the ERAs of those guys who pitched. Four of Tampa's pitchers that went today have ERAs under 2.2. So, you know, I I get it. In a a series like this where you got two really good teams, taking two of three feels really good. Yeah, and for the Twins, we did have uh, the Tyler Thornburg debut, uh, a guy who's played for several other teams at the major league level. But he comes in, goes two and a third, gives up one walk, one strikeout, but no earned runs, Dan. Not a bad day. No, and then Duffy comes in and he gives up the home run to Kiermaier. But then after that, he he settled down and looked a lot better. They were talking about him on the radio cast and how he's getting hit. It's like 40% of fly balls that are hit off of him are going for home runs. And the league average is like, 10 percent and I then hate, Gla- i hate i hate stat lines like this. i hate <laughs> what do you stat mean? lines like this because guys will go out of their way to find a stat to make it seem as though a guy is pitching way better than he is or that he's just getting robbed on hits and like this guy's average would be eight million if he if he only if he only had a higher batting average on balls and play it's all it's all chalked up to bad luck duffy only pitches when there's a strong breeze out to left field it's like what are you talking about i hate it i hate it when guys do this they find one stat and they're like this totally proves this guy's value and he's just getting robbed no (laughs) anybody who watches duffy for more than a minute sees that huh he doesn't seem like he's a very good pitcher oh no 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 let me tell you let me look at this stat that people always take the time to look at to tell you how good duffy really is no no dan thompson fans want an ejection there it goes and that was gardy's gripe well i will say after Corey Provost gave that stat, Dan Gladden was like, well, that was just a bad changeup. That just didn't move. <laughs> so I think, I think there might be something to what you're saying there. Um, yeah, maybe Duffy's just having an off year and something's going on. And and to be fair, clearly something must be wrong with what he's doing. And maybe this is something that they can fix. But I wonder if this is something maybe he's going to have to be cut loose and somebody else going to have to work with him to fix this. I don't know. I think, he's, I think he's earned the opportunity to keep working through it, but not that many more chances. Not the major league level at this point. He, he's come in and some big spots and has really really underperformed i think send him a message send him down to triple a granted we don't have anybody to take a spot who's any better so well, I, that's I what i mean what i think you, you leave him in and you just keep him in in situations like this that are not high leverage and you hope he can work himself out of it all right well anything else on game three dan no it's time to move on catch him all kirby puckett puckett's picks winner dan dan dan, dan we're dan. back back to the way things are meant to be i would love it dan if you would give the puckett's picks results i will all right so david picked carlos correa he had 12 points i picked polanco who had eight the listeners picked buxton with seven this one looked like it was going to be all buxton after that first game but uh but things switched up and correa wins this one for you season standings now you have a two-game lead on me you have eight i have six the listeners have five uh but we're getting tighter here on the season points listeners have 101 i have 95 you have 80 all kind of in the ballpark of each other there well and i got some texts about uh, not taking the uh, singles machine Luisa rise after that grand slam in game two we, we did the math he would have had 11 so he wouldn't have quite beat carlos correa either and good good to see carlos correa playing as well as he did this series all right let's keep going dan beast versus bench beast 
versus Bench. Is losing fun? Is losing fun. I went with Luis Arise. I mean, his batting average is 359, and that's even after an 0 for 4 in game 3, which again shows how much, a, you know, how hard it is to hit for an average the way that he's hitting. He came into that game 367, dropped 8 points uh, just in that one bad game. Yeah, you know, I wanted to go with Luis Arise, but I am going to give it to my boy Carlos Correa because mm-hmm. he, he gave me the victory in Puckett's picks and because, yeah, he didn't play in game 2, but Arise went 0 for 4 in game 3. Is there really any difference between between a guy playing and not at that at that point? No, I don't think so. Um, um, what do you have for your for your bench? Yeah, I'm going to give it to Urshela. Um, I'm a little bit bummed on this one. He went 0 for 7. A- after the Yankee series, I thought that he might come out sort of a little bit fired up, but he went 0 for 7, left eight guys on base. Five guys left on base for Urshela in game three in a game that really, they needed a spark, and it was disappointing that he couldn't provide it. Yeah, he also grounded into a double play in this game too, another inning killer like that. I agree with you. He's not been great, but I went with the starting pitcher. I went with Cole Sands, and this is a... <laughs> Why are you laughing at me? Always giving it to a guy. Guy who who has a very very small percentage of the series played in Dan Thompson. Well, hold on, but he was up there for more at bats technically if you count pitching <laughs> to each person than any other player in the game. So I'm going to go with Cole Sands. He he gets into the fifth, but he gives up the five and runs the five hits. He does strike out five, but now we we've seen enough of Cole Sands here. Where and you alluded to this earlier. If they had any other starting pitchers available, he wouldn't be with the team anymore. And I just think this was a game. If they were going to be able to win this game, he needed to be much better, and he just he wasn't good enough. And hopefully he comes back at some point uh, a better pitcher let's uh let's go into Rocco's rewind Rocco's rewind yeah so why don't you start us off here Dan I was looking at the stats as I love to do and I hopefully I'm not gonna uh, set you off like I did with that last stat that I gave um I'm looking at stolen bases so the Rays have 44 on the season the twins have 13 which is tied for the second fewest um they're technically tied for 28th but whatever that's also like tied for 29th and I just I just wonder where is the aggressiveness on the base paths because you know Rocco's a product of the Rays system you know in his past I don't think the Rays have changed their approach all that much why is he such an outlier when he talks about having good team speed in other in other ways why aren't they stealing more bases it does seem like it's definitely an opportunity missed so much of taking bases though depends on game situation right Mm -hmm. and i haven't looked very deeply into it but see dan this is the point where i would say well actually uh if you look at the stats here when they play on tuesday nights (laughs) and the and the weather is under 72 degrees the twins actually steal the most bases it must be the cold (laughs) weather it must be the cold weather that's why no i do think though it does have some 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 issues with with game situations and they do have some speed but the last thing you want Dan is a guy injuring himself stealing a base and so when you have guys who are 100% healthy like especially your guys who are your heavy speed guys so like Buxton for instance and Royce Lewis when he was with the team but when those guys aren't on the field or where those guys aren't aren't super healthy it, it's just easier probably to, to take your foot off the gas we should also point out Royce Lewis he was actually officially diagnosed with a partially torn ligament in that same knee he's out for the season and my first thought when I saw this was dang <laughs> Dang it. David was right. Here's the thing. I don't revel in that, right? Like nobody wants to see a guy injured, especially Royce Lewis, a guy who is is hopefully going to be a very big factor in this Twins organization. But it's one of those things where I could just tell because of the way that they were being so cagey about what the injury was and, oh, we're still getting it looked at. There's no way. You just knew he was done, Dan. (sighs) I was just, it was like when you had your little ice cream hat, your ice cream helmet on, I (laughs) think is what I thought you were wearing in that situation. That's my tinfoil. For those of you who are new to the show, I wear one of those Twins ice cream batting helmets i wear those when i suggest my crazy theories of of manipulation and underhanded dealings in major league baseball well speaking of underhanded dealings and and things like that uh, how about you go ahead and your your rewind so why is this underhanded well because you go ahead and explain to us i think well i'm 
I'm just saying that using Buxton as a pinch runner in game two, Rocco used him just as a pinch runner, not as a pinch hitter. He wasn't a defensive replacement. He was a pinch runner because Gordon had had hurt his hamstring. To me, that shows that Buxton's healthy Mm -hmm. because you wouldn't use a guy who's nursing an injury, who's as valuable as Buxton only as a pinch runner, unless the stakes were infinitely higher, right? So for me, it's one of those things where this shows that Buxton's clearly getting back to health or as we sort of alluded to the last couple of episodes, or they've just decided we're just going to use him as we would normally use him knowing that he's probably not going to be 100% for the rest of the season right because if he's going to be pinch running then that assumes that they want to use his speed on the base paths and if you're going to use your speed on the base paths you're going to be pushing your body to take that extra base so I I would agree with you there especially when Urshela then came in and then ended up being the fielder because they could have put Buxton in I think and re-manipulated people a little bit there they certainly could have left him in and he could have played in the outfield yeah and I do just want to say it was so funny to me because in my mind all I could say is clearly they're not trying to win game two until it was time to try to win game two. Yes. Like, it's just, it's just like, there's just this mind switch that, okay, wait, hang on, hang on, we can win this. And so good on Rocco, I guess. I don't know that I love these, let's just not really try this game, but at least he recognized that, okay, we have a chance to win here. Let's, let's try to, let's put the pedal to the metal. Well, let's go into the, uh, the Minnesota moment. Minnesota moment. I'll let you take the obvious one, Dan Thompson. Yeah, it's got to be Luis Arise's Grand Slam in game two, which reminded me of a tweet that I saw about... about a certain Joe Maurer character here. So Luis Arise, after game two, I believe it was Gleeman that tweeted this, his batting average heading into game three was 367, which was the best batting average for a Twins player to this point in the season since Joe Maurer. I believe it was in 2010. He he started that season at this point, David, hitting 415. 415. Mm. That's insane. What a quality, what a Hall of Fame hitter that Joe Maurer is and was. I'm not going to take the bait, Dan. You know what? I've gotten riled up and up this episode episode we're gonna keep moving on thank you for the historical stats perspective <laughs> all right Dan you Thompson. go ahead go ahead what, what's your moment so i'm gonna go with the sixth run fifth inning in game one uh just a big moment it kind of showed that the twins were here to play buxton solo shot in the fifth and then that was followed by five manufactured runs so no more home runs in the fifth inning always good to see when this team is scoring runs not on the long ball and it should be noted that's when the rays had a very very costly air that let that rally happen and it just shows you that when a team can punish airs dan they're likely to win baseball games. Agreed, David. Well, let's uh, let's go ahead to our next segment. I mean, right. speaking of Joe Maurer. I just don't know how it can get any better. Maurer's Musings. So I'm going to ask about the starting rotation here. And, and this is a Devin Smeltzer-related question here. Sonny Gray, sounds like he's going to pitch on this road trip. Joe Ryan's going to pitch on this road trip. Bailey Ober's got to come back at some point. Josh Winder's going to be coming back in the next couple weeks. Who's going to stick in the rotation? It's, it's a fair question and hopefully one that actually needs answering, right? Like so many times when we have these discussions, the question answers itself because somebody else goes down with injury mm-hmm. but i think it's likely archer bundy smeltzer then ryan and gray and then over if he's healthy that gives you a six-man rotation which is basically what the twins were working with at the beginning of the season actually beginning of the season was more like an eight-man rotation the way that rocco had approached things but really i think having a six-man rotation and just sort of praying that all of these guys stay healthy that would be just fantastic dan any any disagreements with my thoughts here it's hard to disagree with you and and i really do like the six-man rotation for as many pitchers as teams can have. Now, what's wrong with doing the six-man rotation or or buddying up 
two pitchers and having them kind of work together and, and pitch the same game. Yeah, I think that's going to be the approach that Racco is going to take, and I think it's the one that he should take. What's your musing? So mine's a little bit wider than than just the Twins. If you are subscribed to like the Minnesota Twins website and like newsletters and news updates, you're, you've probably received I don't know ten emails over the course of the last week, like a whole bunch of emails. And if you listen to the Twins radio broadcast, you've heard the same commercial I don't know five hundred times in the last like six games. But so my question, Dan, these commercials, these emails, they're all about filling out your all-star ballot. And they're all about filling out that all-star ballot for all the twins. And here's my question to you, Dan Thompson, specifically. When you fill out your all-star ballot, do you simply fill it out for all the twins players? Or do you actually pick who you think should be an all-star based on performance, not just because they're on the team that you cheer for? Yeah, I, I don't stuff the ballot with twins players. I try to be reasonable with my selection. Now, do I shade more on the side of giving them credit when maybe they, they ought not, perhaps, in the grand scheme? I do. But if I'm looking at it right now, and maybe this is the way to answer the question. So I'm voting for Buxton. I'm voting for Arise. I'm voting for Correa. I'm voting for Polanco. And, and I actually might stop there. <laughs> Actually, this but seems, I was reading the whole list. Gave Dan <laughs> I, I think those are the ones that I would vote for if Joe Ryan were fully healthy and, and maybe still, you know, if I don't know how eligible he would be, I guess, in that sense, I'd probably vote for Joe Ryan too. Is well, that I'd... not the answer? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you said you do one thing, but then you actually do the other, Dan Thompson. Well, I'm not voting for like Gio Urshela or Ryan Jeffers or Gary Sanchez. Yeah, if you're voting for those guys, there there's another question to be had, I think. Dan is uh, is Gilberto Celestino on that on that All Star ballot, or do we have to wait a little bit for I, maybe wait another year? As like the, as the bench guy, he's like like you can vote for one bench player. Um, <laughs> so I think that historically, I have voted all Twins players, and hmm. I think that that's probably not the ethical approach but i don't know how much ethics really has to do with i this. mean what i will on. say this is this is the thing that you can vote like 50 times in <laughs> i i don't think ethics have a lot to do with all-star voting perhaps i have uh, raised the bar as far as as far as the discussion we're having <laughs> higher than it needs to be uh, certainly this isn't but, like voting in like an election or something for like political office this is an hey, all-star get, game dan we are strictly an apolitical podcast you got to be careful talking about elections and ballot stuffing that's not okay dan thompson well we want to get more um, episode so hits i think I, after that yankees one so we got any any hashtags <laughs> yeah, that'll we, work here david no but but here's my thing i think even if i were to vote for the people who i felt deserved it the most i still wouldn't vote for any yankees no <laughs> like, like, <laughs> no. So it's like my my ethical standpoint is only so far so it's like at that point if i'm willing to not put players on from a certain team i might as well just vote for all the twins players <laughs> <laughs> i think and vote for them 45 times david or whatever the maximum <laughs> is um <laughs> all right we should go stand out on the street corners and be like, have you registered to vote? Oh, is there an election coming up? Yeah, the All-Star game. What, yeah, what are you doing? What else are you talking about? All right, let's go ahead and grade this thing. Series grades. Dan, there's no fireworks. There's no, no anger. There's no hostility. We each gave them a B. I wanted to give them an A, but if it, only if they had like really hard fought for this third game. But it felt like they weren't really fighting very much for this no. third one after they were down. No, they were happy to win two games and walk away from it. And I kind of wanted to give them a C because they won the game they weren't trying to and they lost a game they were trying to win. It's very confusing. Uh, the other thing this makes me think of is, is sometimes on Twitter, because obviously Twitter is the best place to go for rational discussion. We've talked about this of before. Of course, of course. But people saying like, hey, what's 
what's with the Twins not putting Buxton and Correa in the lineup on Saturday? We drove for six hours from International Falls to watch the Twins play this one game, and they owe it to the fans. Every player must play the full 162. And if you well, came to see a specific starter, we're going to play them Well, too. that's the thing. This is what I don't get. If you're driving from International Falls or wherever, Duluth even, aren't you going to go to more than one game? Like, you're not just yeah. going to come down for one game, right? No, you, you would have to go for the full series, I would think. I mean, I that would be so. how I would approach it, certainly. But people are people, Dan. You never know what they're going to do. Anyway, all right, Herbie's headlines here. I don't know, Jack. It looked like Herbeck pulled him off the bag. Herbie's headlines. We have a lot of I options here. I don't know. What do you, what do you want to talk about? I don't know. I think a common theme is is old people not quite having the success that they would like. So Joe Girardi gets fired from the Phillies. Coming into Sunday's game, they'd actually won eight games in a row since he got fired. So good on the Phillies. That worked. Joe Madden was fired after the Angels lost 12 in a row. They've not really recovered. Tony Lurusa sounds like he's a bit on the hot seat in Chicago. Those guys combined are like 210 years old. Um, and then we got Robinson Cano, who I think, I think he's 39, and he's trying to res direct his career in AAA. Like, what's going on? What's going on in the world of baseball? How often has a guy of Cano's stature found himself in AAA not on a rehab stint? Not often. I mean, I'm sure it happens. He's, by the way, he's in El Paso playing for the Padres AAA affiliate. So Padres assigned him. He played some games with the Padres and didn't work out. So they sent him down and he cleared because nobody wanted him. It's weird. I guess I'm just trying to understand, is it truly that he's trying to get back to the major league level? Or is it just that he's not ready to give up playing like at any level? Like if they send him to single A ball and he's down there playing with, with guys who are 19, 20 years old, would he still be not happy, but maybe satisfied? Is that why he's still playing? Like, I just want to get in the mindset. Does he really see this as I'm going to return to the major league level? Or is he just playing because he wants to play? I hope that it's the plan because he wants to play, right? Like, he can still play baseball. I mean, my gosh, there's not many people in the world who can play even AAA baseball, uh, let alone, you know, the major leagues. So I hope it's that. I hope that he's not just trying to chase something. Robinson Cano is one of those guys who's always been a very, very, very good player, but never quite like the, the great player. He's never won MVP. He's been an all-star a number of times. So I wish him the best, but it's point don't you don't you just kind of hang it up and call it a career well it's one of those things dan i love that line in moneyball where they're sitting at the table we're all told that we can't play the young man's game it's mm -hmm. just a matter of when and i yeah. just i just love that sort of you know we all want to do things right we want to do things for as long as we possibly can but in all things in life dan in all things in life there's a time when we're told you can't do that anymore well david that that kind of inspires me to go into our puckets picks here and we'll see you puckets picks Listeners, as always, get first pick for the upcoming Mariners series, and they're going to take a rise off the board. And then, Dan, you get the next pick. All right. I, I have to go with Byron Buxton here, I think. Yeah. The Mariners pitching has not been awesome this year, and Buxton's been destroying bad pitching. So I'm going to go with Byron Buxton. Yeah, it seems like the logical pick. I'm going to go with Correa again, though, because yeah. Correa tends to win me kind of in bunches, right? When I pick Correa in Puckett's picks, he tends to win them over and over and over again for me, Dan Thompson. That's true. He won three in a row earlier for you. Congratulations, by the way, on ending your four-game losing streak. Uh, yeah, my goodness. I was getting worried, Dan. Talk about Correa staying up at night in, in cold sweats <laughs> thinking about Royce Lewis. I got myself thinking about Puckett's picks, Dan. All right. Well, David, I think with that, uh, I'm going to send us out. Please do. Thank you. Folks, if you like what you hear, please tell a friend. You can follow us on Twitter at Men for the Win, and you can find our Men for the Win Facebook page as well. We're also available on YouTube. You can check us out there and subscribe. However you're listening to us, if you could leave us a rating and, uh, and give us a like, that would be great. Thank you for listening, and as always, go 
Go Twins. That'll wrap up another episode of Men for the Win, a podcast hosted by David Kufis and Dan Thompson, two avid fans who appreciate well-played baseball, especially when it's done by the Twins. Thanks so much for listening, and as always, Go Twins!